This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $5.28 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to exciting. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024. You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into this Wednesday episode here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. Today's episode is brought to you by NFL Game Pass this season. Get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. I know it's a late post today, late episode, but I tried to delay a little bit so that I could hopefully get the all 22, but the NFL doesn't have it up yet. So I did something a little bit different for our film watch Wednesday. I'll tell you about that here in just a second for our second segment. But first, we have to start off with the big news. Michael Thomas reportedly expected to miss several weeks with a high ankle sprain. Can the Saints win without him? We'll talk about that. We'll also get in uh, Alvin Kamara's new contract details that you're going to love to hear. Then What I did for Film Watch Wednesday this week is I tracked every defensive line combination that the Saints use, and I found 31 different combos. We love to talk about defensive line versatility, so we'll put it in context in our second segment, and I'll tell you which were most productive. And finally, we'll get our mailbag in and answer your questions. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, NOLA on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com. I got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. New Orleans Saints wide receiver Michael Thomas reportedly expected to miss several weeks with a high ankle sprain, but spoiler alert, the Saints are going to be fine. That's our New Orleans Saints update today with Raj Jackson of Locked on Saints. So let's dive right into this because this came off as some big news on Tuesday. It came through uh, Ian Rappaport as well as several other sources that Michael Thomas's ankle, high ankle injury was worse off than expected. Instead, being diagnosed now as a high ankle sprain, which of course could lead to someone being out for, as they mentioned, several weeks. Mike Triplett, the ESPN reporter for the Saints, followed up on this and mentioned that it's it's still a little bit too early to really set a timetable, but right now the focus is on whether or not he'll be available for the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, Triplett himself said that the most, sort of the largest indicator for how long Michael Thomas is going to miss is whether or not the Saints put him on injured reserve. Now remember, injured reserve operates a little bit differently this year. It doesn't spell the end of somebody's season. It doesn't mean that they have to be out for six to eight weeks. There is a short-term injury reserve that means that they could come back after three games. So if they feel like Michael Thomas could be back within three games, you will not see him go to injured reserve. If they expect him to miss longer, it's very likely you'll see them send him to injured reserve short-term. That way they open up that roster spot potentially bring Benny Fowler up from the practice squad to the active roster. Lots of opportunities for the Saints there, or 
potentially looking elsewhere to bring in another veteran wide receiver as well. So there are some options for the Saints, and the biggest indicator will be that injured reserve list. Probably Thursday would be the timetable to expect that. The Saints have a Monday night game coming up against the Las Vegas Raiders, so they won't really have their first day of practice until Thursday. So that's really the day to look for is tomorrow. So keep an eye on potentially moving uh, Michael Thomas over to injured reserve. It's going to give you an idea of sort of what his timeline is. You don't see him go there, and you might see him back within the next couple of weeks. And now the big question is, can the Saints offense operate without Michael Thomas? Now, I talked a little bit about Ryan Tannehill over on Locked on NFL the other day and about how I'm interested to see whether or not he can perform. And Luke Braun was with me on this about you know whether or not he can perform without having the reliability of turning around and handing the ball off to Derrick Henry and therefore being able to rely on play action and, uh, and his running game in order to really carry him. Could he carry a team? That is not something I am as concerned about when it comes to Drew Brees, when it comes to uh, having to play without Michael Thomas. Yes, Michael Thomas has been a bit of a security blanket for Drew Brees over these last couple of seasons. 149 catches last year, but we can't forget that the Saints went out and signed Emmanuel Sanders this offseason. He now essentially becomes your number one wide receiver. And then they still have a ton of talent over on this offensive side. You have to remember, last year we were sort of in this exact same position just a week removed. We're about a week earlier now to where Drew Brees was going to be missing five games, six games with a UCL tear. And we came on the show here and we talked about, look, if Teddy comes in and wins one game, the Saints are in good shape. Teddy comes in and wins two games, they're in good shape. Teddy went out there and won five games. And it's not just Teddy, it's Coach Payton. And this is the thing that I keep pointing out for folks, is that if Sean Payton could go out there and accept the challenge of having to play without his Hall of Fame quarterback in Drew Brees and go 5-0 and with Teddy Bridgewater, then he's going to have I would imagine just a fine time coming out here and finding a way to be creative and be effective without Michael Thomas accepting that challenge, which we've seen Sean Payton do before. Sean Payton's a genius. Geniuses get bored. Here's an opportunity to spice up his life a little bit. And the, the advantage to this, as opposed to last year, is that he's still got Drew Brees with him. Last year, he didn't have that. This year, he does. So the, the, the security blanket, the safety blanket that Michael Thomas provides, yes, is very important, but I do think that the Saints have enough weapons in Emmanuel Sanders in a healthy Alvin Kamara, which the Saints didn't have while Drew Brees was out last season and still won, in a healthy Jared Cook, which the Saints didn't have last year while Drew Brees was out and still found a way to win. And now you know that Drew Brees and Jared Cook are still very much on the same page and maintaining their rhythm from the end of last season. Five catches, 80 yards. He was the leading receiver for the Saints in the opening game. I'm not super concerned about this. And in fact, I'm very interested to see how the Saints come out of this, because if they can produce early on here without Michael Thomas and find a way to make that offense threatening, effective, and dangerous, and then two, three games down the line, they add Michael Thomas to that, oh, I'm perfectly happy with that. I am perfectly happy with that. So, you know, everybody send Michael Thomas a get well soon card, get well wishes, because he needs to take care of himself and not try to rush himself back. And the Saints want to do the same thing with him. Because if this Saints offense can get rolling without him and then add him later on down the line, that makes this team extremely dangerous if the defense and special teams continues what we saw during week one. So yes, the Saints expected to be without Michael Thomas for the next couple of games, but no, they are not down and most certainly they are not out. And I know that some might want to say that the Saints kind of played without Michael Thomas last week because he only had three catches for 17 yards, but we can't forget the presence, the, just the, the, the importance of his presence and what that does to a defense in that 
defenses have the game plan for him. Like it, it, it's still such a big factor just to have Michael Thomas on the field. They won't have that advantage now moving forward without him over these next several weeks, couple of weeks, however long it ends up being. But now defenses are going to have a harder time figuring out who the hell to game plan for because there's so many different options for the Saints offense. So, you know, we talked about Alvin Kamara, Jerry Cook. There's also still Taysom Hill. There's also still Traquan Smith. If he can, you know, if he can get get involved, he was really used as a run blocker for the most part in the first game. You still got Ty Montgomery. You've got Adam Trotman. Like there's still so many different weapons in this on this team and still so many different question marks, too, on this offense that opposing defenses don't know. I'm really far less concerned than maybe I should be, but I am very excited to see what this team figures out and learns about itself and what we learn about this team without Michael Thomas up until Michael Thomas comes back and adds on top of that. So, all right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to jump into a little bit of a Film Watch Wednesday. I did something a little bit different, cataloged every combination along the Saints defensive line. So we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Alvin Kamara's newly released contract numbers. Got that coming up for you next year on Locked On Saints, your team every day. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You get to relive all those gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football that you can handle all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the one place where you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film session episodes. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break the game down with its concepts and techniques. Learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many, many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to nfl.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. All right, Huda Nation, before we dive into this wild defensive line rotation from week one, I uh, wanted to talk a little bit about Alvin Kamara's contract numbers and his cap hits in particular. So we got the contract details from Field Yates. Uh, those contract details are... Uh, pretty wild as you look at them. 2020 base salary of $8,833,000. But of course, there's a $15 million signing bonus that spreads out over the first five years. So it's more like $4 million in terms of what his cap hit is, as well as any other roster bonuses and things like that. But they did a very good job structuring this contract in making sure that Alvin Kamara still gets paid, but does so in a way that is constructive and conducive for New Orleans with the cap situation moving forward. His base salary, because I know this is what everybody is most interested in, his base salary of $2 million and $5 million in 2021 and 2022 is huge because both of those essentially mean that the Saints can easily stay under that cap number if it drops into or as it drops in 2021 and then if it stays low in 2022. So the cap hit here, as opposed to just talking about the base salary, because this includes things like roster bonuses, the signing bonus being spread out, things like that. So the cap hits for the first three years, 2020, which is this year, $4.07 million, according to Nick Underhill. That's great. Um, that keeps his his cap hit to not much more. I mean, it really only raised it about $1.8 million, which is kind of what we expected. It would be a nominal raise in terms of how much he's getting paid this year. But it's great for him because he really walked away with $15 million in terms of a signing bonus. So that worked out for him. Uh, to 2021, only a $5 million cap hit. That is wildly important wildly important because that's the year that everything's dropping down potentially to $175 million for the salary cap. So that keeps his cap hit low while also keeping him with the team moving forward. And then the numbers swell for the next three years, 2022, $14.5 million. 
2023, $14 million, and in 2024, $14.8 million. However, there are base salary numbers in 2022, 2023, 2024, and 2025 that can all be sort of stretched out over um, you know, signing bonuses, extensions, things like that, that they'll be able to restructure and, and continue to sort of do what they did with Drew Brees, kick the can down the road a little bit, but have a ton more revenue to work with at that time. Right now, his 2025 cap hit is $25 million, which is a ton of money. But again, that is going to not be paid out that way. It's very unlikely that it gets to that point because really after the first three years, all the guaranteed money for the most part is gone. Um, and so, or the first three years of the extension, all the guaranteed money is mostly gone at that point. So you, that's where you have the opportunity to start reworking the contract and things like that. So if anybody tells you that the Saints are paying a running back $25 million, they're referring to the 2025 cap hit at the end of the contract where everything is backloaded, where you can expect very much that the Saints can add more years. They can guarantee that, you know, portions of that off of injury. They can move on from some of that as some of it will be loose, so on and so forth. So there's a lot there instead of it being sort of this five year, $75 million contract, it feels more like a four-year, $50 million contract, uh, which is basically what Cat Terrell also said. So very interesting stuff there in terms of how it is that the Saints structured that out. And I think they did a very good job at what you need to know for the most part is just that the Saints did a great job making sure that they're going to be able to stay under the cap for next season and maintain all of these other players. You can expect to see Demario Davis's extension in the next couple of days, maybe the next week. And with that, you'll see something similar to it. will be a little bit more backloaded the 2021 cap hit being low because of the potential drop in salary. The Saints front office did it again, basically, is what I'm trying to say. Sorry, right, so let's jump to uh, the defensive line combinations. Like I mentioned, I didn't get to do the full film study here, but I still wanted to come with, come with something. So I wanted to come with something on today's Film Watch Wednesday. Um, the way that I looked at this is that I went through and I broke down every down, every defensive play that the Saints played, and I looked at the configuration of the defensive lineman. Not just personnel-wise, but looked at literally who was lined up where. Because when you look at it that way, the Saints, even though they may use Marcus Hunt, Alvin, Alvin Kamara, Marcus Hunt, uh, Cam Jordan, um, let's just say Malcolm Roach and David Onyemata on several plays, they may not always be lined up in the same place. Sometimes Marcus Hunt is at the left end position, defensive left while you know, Cam Jordan is defensive right, or they reverse. So that to me is two different alignments, two different combinations. So that's why this came out to be 31 different combinations. And this is important because it goes to show the versatility along the defensive line, not just that they can rotate one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different players along the defensive line. Remember the Saints loved doing that last year. They rotated eight or nine players on the defensive line just about every single game while they had those numbers available to them. And this last week, they ended up doing it again, despite not having Marcus Davenport and Shai Tuttle being inactive during this game. So they were down two defensive linemen or didn't have two active defensive linemen, and they still rotated eight players. It goes to show you how deep this defensive line depth goes for this team, elevating Marcus Hunt from the practice squad, who of course made humongous plays for the Saints with the block punt. Uh, and with a couple of other plays as well. So a couple of different things to look at. The Saints' most popular defensive line rotations, you've got two of them, one even front and one odd front. Both of these used eight times each. So again, over 70 plays, the Saints only used their most used defensive lineups eight times each. Again, rotating like crazy along the defensive line. So the very first one that we saw in the game was actually one of the, was the most popular four-man front that was used. Uh, Cam Jordan at the left end. So if you're the linebacker, your left defensive left, 
David Onyemata at three tech between the guard and tackle. Malcolm Brown at one tech between the center and guard or lined up over the top of the guard sometimes too, which would be more of a nose tackle. And then Trey Hendrickson on the defensive right at right end. With this four-man front, the Saints only allowed 15 rushing yards over those eight plays and uh, did a very good job. This was used a lot all over the place. They used this in the red zone. They used it when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were pinned. They used it when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were, were backed up behind their own, you know, in their own territory, but not necessarily pinned. They did a very good job utilizing this. And then we also saw the three-man front here, which was used a lot on third downs, as you would imagine, dime sets, things like that. Uh, this was a three-man front that included Cam Jordan at defensive left at the left end, uh, Sheldon Rankins at the nose, and then Trey Hendrickson at the right end. And then with that one, you also saw the Saints get a sack. You saw the Saints get pressure. You saw the Saints get hits. You saw them use this, like I mentioned, four times on third down. They used this in the red zone. They used it all over the place. So this one was utilized a whole bunch of different places, much like that or much unlike that first combination that was used mostly in plus territory in terms of the Saints conversation of plus territory there. Now, where do the Saints get the most sacks? Well, one of them came from that three down rotation that we were just talking about. And then two others came later on in the game with the 23rd and 29th alignment that we saw during this game, which was just absolutely wild. The Saints doing a really, really good job rotating all over the place here. All three sacks came with Cam Jordan on the field. But other than that, Sheldon Rankins was present for two and Carl Grandison was present for two. Outside of that, you had a mix of Trey Hendrickson, Marcus Hunt, Malcolm Brown, and David Onyemata in the interior as well as over on the edge there. So the Saints did a really, really fantastic job here. We saw Marcus Hunt line up at both def- or any def- uh, defensive tackle position you can imagine, as well as over on the outside. You saw Carl Grandison play a bit on the inside. You saw Malcolm Roach play inside and out. You even saw David Onyemata take a couple of snaps out there. We saw Marcus Hunt drop into coverage once. We saw David Onyemata drop into coverage once. The Saints just utilize this defensive line like crazy. And I don't understand sometimes how it is that offenses keep up with it. And maybe in this instance, we saw exactly why the Saints do this, because the Saints make it tough for any of these teams to really follow up on there. I'm going to tell you one more thing before I wrap up here that I thought was very interesting. In the final drive of this game, we saw um, a bunch of different formations that we hadn't seen before. Three plays in a row, we saw our 27, 28th, and 29th rotations, and then we saw our 30th and 31st rotations as well, all within the final drive of the game by the Saints defensive line, which ultimately ended up in a touchdown to uh, Mike Evans, but it just goes to show that they'll continue to rotate even as they're starting to peel starters out of the game. However, uh, speaking of peeling starters out of the game, um, Cam Jordan was lined up at left end the entire time throughout that final drive. So they weren't even doing too much to get it out of there, but we saw a lot of different combinations here and we saw the Saints really do what they had to do to confuse that uh, that Tampa Bay offensive line, which they didn't necessarily need to do because Donovan Smith was merely a, a speed bump, but still the Saints keep into their game here with an incredible defensive line rotation. So we'll do this every week. I'll run through these. I won't stretch it out and talk as in detail about it as I did this time because we'll have more film stuff to talk about. But since it's always tough to get film the first week, I, I wanted to go ahead and really delve into this. So I did it a little bit more detailed than I usually would. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed this because I had a good time with it. I'd love to keep doing this. Let me know if you like it, this defensive line rotation. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting just to see sort of what that lineup is. And we'll continue to break it down as well as we get into the crossover tomorrow because obviously there's going to be stuff that's going to come from this that's going to apply to the Raiders game coming up on Monday. But coming up next, so that you don't miss out here, we're going to get your questions. Uh, we have our mailbag segment here every Wednesday. So we'll get to that here on Locked on Saints, your team every day.
So that Saints defensive line has options on options on options, and so does, of course, rockauto.com. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. I talk about them having options. You hit that homepage. They have every single make and model of vehicle that you can imagine, stuff you didn't even know existed. They've got you covered over on Rock Auto. Somebody hands you the keys to their car and they say, hey, it's a brand new car with a brand that you've never heard of, but it needs a new muffler. Take it. Take it. Drive it home. Go to rockauto.com and then buy a new muffler for like half the price or a fraction of the price is what you're going to get at any of the brick and mortar shops anyway, because whether you are a do-it-yourself or a professional, you're paying the same price over at rockauto.com. So go and check them out. Family business. They've been helping auto parts customers for over 20 years. Good, good, good folks. Check them out. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts that your car will ever need. All right, Huda Nation. So we're combining Twitter Tuesday and our Facebook Friday throughout the season into our Mailbag Wednesdays here, which will always coincide with Film Watch as well. So I'm going to run through and get through as many of these questions as I can. Any questions that I don't get through, I'll try to tackle in topics on Friday. So if you don't hear your name or if you don't hear your question, don't worry. I'll still have something for you later on this week. Just make sure you come back on Friday to hear it. And then, of course, we talked a lot of Michael Thomas earlier. So any questions about Michael Thomas, I might defer. However, I'm going to start off with Colin Bellew, who did ask about Michael Thomas because he asked specifically, who are the wide receivers that come from the shadows and step up besides Emmanuel Sanders? I think the Saints have a lot of options. I mean, Traquan Smith definitely should be sprinting to the Saints training facility immediately to get started on work and get ready uh, because he's going to be a big deal. Deontay Harris is certainly one. And then Benny Fowler, of course, if he gets called up, Marcos Callaway. I mean, look, I, no matter what I do, I'm just going to really roll down the list of wide receivers and just name every single one of them, honestly, because all of them have the opportunity here to really step up. It's just about whether or not they do it. But they should have that opportunity. And don't be surprised to see Ty Montgomery. He only lined up twice out wide against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on week one. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him line up in the slot a little bit more on uh, on Sun- or, excuse me, on Monday against the Raiders, who had a very struggling secondary against a similar system to the Saints against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Andrew Clower uh, here at Clower, excuse me, asked uh, kind of an add to Collins question. Do you think that we'll be able to win the next three to four weeks without Michael Thomas? Yes. I mean, I think that the the almost said the Aaron Rodgers game, the Green Bay Packers game was always going to be a challenge. Don't get me wrong. But I think the Saints could go four and one looking at the defenses that they're going to be taking that they're going to be taking on over the next couple of games. You look at the Raiders game. You look at the Carolina Panthers game, the the, uh, Los Angeles Chargers game, who's without Derwin James. You look at the. Uh, who's the other? Oh, the Lions game where they got thrashed by Mitch Trubisky and Anthony Miller. Like, come on, they'll be fine. I think that the uh, the Packers game is probably going to be the biggest challenge, but was going to be a big challenge anyway, because those corners in that secondary in Green Bay are very, very talented. Next up, we've got Daniel Adams. Uh, Pete was a liability again last week. I'm sure it all depends on Ruiz's health, but do we have any other options to replace him with? Uh, Pete actually wasn't that bad. I, I know it's like fun to give Pete crap, but he was actually pretty good in this game. He had the one pressure that he allowed and that was it. And it did, it did translate to a hit. So obviously you hate that, but he had only one pressure allowed. And then he had like the one lapse in run blocking. But other than that, he was solid. Uh, And against a, probably the most, most talented defensive line that they're going to play in the first eight games. Maybe you could say that Green Bay is, might be next in line there, but I would still contend that Tampa Bay's defensive line is better. Uh, And so I am interested, though, to see how Cesar Ruiz looks and what the interior offensive line looks with a little bit more athleticism than Nick Easton. But Nick Easton was far more a liability, actually allowing a sack and two pressures 
than uh, Andrew Speet and his loan pressure were in this game. Uh, Chris Bergeron asks, uh, who is uh, going to be running all the slants with Michael Thomas out? Obviously, he's asking that tongue-in-cheek. It's a joke, uh, but it's going to be Emmanuel Sanders. Remember, Emmanuel Sanders had over 100 yards receiving on slant routes just last year during the 10 games that he played with the San Francisco 49ers. So he'll absolutely be able to do that. Do Benny Fowler and Margus Hunt stay on the roster with their week one performances from Cody Goff? Uh, they actually go back down to the practice squad. So any two players that are activated from the practice squad up to what becomes a 55-man game day roster, they automatically revert to the practice squad after that. So they don't have the option to keep them up. They just go back to the practice squad. So it's not that they go back because there's anything wrong with them. It's just them's the rules. Uh, that's the game. Uh, Lauren Rabb asks, with no security blanket in a wide receiver core, uh, how does this affect the roster the next few weeks? So I think that you it's kind of what we talked about to where Emmanuel Sanders jumps up to wide receiver one, as you also mentioned, Lauren. But it's also that it means that some of these other guys have to step up. Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, Benny Fowler, potentially becoming another uh, opportunity, getting another opportunity here to be elevated to the to the active roster. But we'll see exactly what happens. But I still say uh, watch out for Ty Montgomery to see who it's going, you know, to see where he's going to line up, because I think that he's going to be a big factor, along with all of the other um, all the other things that are going on. Uh, Michael Murray, when are you going to come out with some Locked On Saints merchandise for us to buy? Uh, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to uh, uh, sell merchandise, uh, but if y'all want things, let me know and I'll find ways to do it with like giveaways and stuff like that. So let me know what it is that you would actually want because I don't want to give you crap that you wouldn't need or that you wouldn't use. So if you want like stickers, you want socks, something like that, I'm happy to do that for like giveaways, but I'm not going to charge money for it at all. Uh, Michael Murray, again, with the CFL deciding to not have a season, you think that any players make the jump and make an impact this season. Um, no players from the CFL will make an impact this season, I don't believe, but we've already seen players make the their jump to the NFL. Landon McManus, for instance, is on the Saints practice squad. He is a uh, CFL linebacker, for instance. They brought him in during camp. Uh, Scott Wishart, Carolina ran the ball pretty well against the Raiders with Michael Thomas likely out. Uh, does AK or do AK and Montgomery get more use in the run game? Probably not Montgomery, but uh, Latavius Murray certainly does. I think the Saints will continue to lean on Latavius Murray with the share that they did in the first game, which I think is smart. Use Latavius Murray early in drives, early in the game, beat down, wear down front sevens, and then utilize the speed and agility of Alvin Kamara to finesse around that defense later on in drives, particularly in the red zone. We saw the Saints really lean on Alvin Kamara in the red zone, which they couldn't do in a tighter red zone last year with his injuries, but they did a great job of it during this first game, and it almost resulted in three touchdowns for him because he scored two of them in the red zone, and then almost scored a third one, but was a millimeter short. So I think that Latavius Murray should continue to get the early snaps and the early carries, and then they can follow up with AK when everybody's got you know hands on their hips over on the defensive side. I really like that rotation, and it's really similar to what Alvin Kamara did with Mark Ingram uh, in his first couple of seasons. And then finally, this one comes from Stephen McCary. Is uh, Jared Cook going to have a big game or a huge game next week? Uh, I would say a huge game. Like this is a remember, this is a Jared Cook revenge game on top of everything. He was with the Raiders before he came to the Saints. Now he's with the Saints going up against the Raiders. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this matchup coming up. And don't forget that tomorrow is our Locked On crossover Thursday. Uh, and we're going to have your boy Q from Locked On Raiders over to talk about this game. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But I do think that Jared Cook is going to have a big game. I'm so excited to watch Sean Payton coach up against John Gruden. It's wild to imagine, but here we are in 2020 
and it's happening. So, all right, y'all, that's going to wrap up our Wednesday episode of Locked On Saints here. Thank you very much, as always, for joining me. I'm going to ask everybody to make sure that you come back through for tomorrow's episode and for Friday's episode tomorrow, like I just mentioned. Your boy Q, crossover Thursday, Raiders Saints. We're going to talk all about it. And then on Friday, we'll get our final sort of big preview push in as well and hopefully have a little bit more film stuff to talk about as well. Saints have a very favorable matchup against the secondary, particularly at two spots. I'll tell you what those spots are specifically over the next two days. And we'll talk about how the Saints absolutely can win this game without Michael Thomas. I'll tell you exactly how they can do it. we got that coming up throughout the rest of the week. And as always, I appreciate y'all for making me a part of your day. I thank you very much for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. Tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support and for helping me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and trust you that nation. I'll holla at you.